And yeah, what if I tried something like this? You know, maybe a little this. It's a little laid back. Maybe you want something a little heavier. Uh, well, probably not heavy, but you're now listening to. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome for the first time. If you've never listened before, I'm Deanne Smith, and you'll see how it goes. Nice to have you here. Welcome also to 2015. It's the freaking future, you guys. We're in it. You know who's really in the future, though? You know who's really in the future? My guests on this week's podcasts. They're the future. They're the. F- did I just say podcasts? Because I said guests. I did. Don't worry about it. Less editing in 2015. That's my motto. Should it be? Probably not. My guests are in Australia. So if you are in North America, they're quite literally in the future. Their names are Sarah Madison and Emma Partridge. And what are they? They're a lot of things, you guys. They're in a good relationship. That's the main thing. We'll talk about that in a second. Sarah's an academic. She writes stuff. Emma works in women's policy. She also writes stuff. They don't even care if I talk about their professions because that's not what this was about, man. Hidden within this podcast, you're going to hear the ultimate lesbian cornball story in their words. There's a lot happening. Lentils. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is that the secret to a good relationship or a bad relationship? You'll find out. Are you in a relationship? If so, you might want to listen to this one with your partner. Gather them into the room. I hope they're I hope they're in one piece. I don't know why you need to gather them, but if they're in more than one piece, assemble your partner, bring them into the room, listen to the podcast, and you know compare notes. Yeah, I agree with that. No, I don't agree with that. Oh, I agree with that. I don't really. Well, fuck you. I don't know. I don't know what kind of relationship you have. If that's the kind, maybe you do need to listen to this. If you're not in a relationship, good for you. Who cares? You don't need one. That's uh, that's a little bit of my self talk lately. Um. If you're not in a relationship, you probably are still going to like this. I hope so. What what makes a good relationship? These guys will tell you. They have a very cute dynamic. I told myself I'd keep the intro short. That's not happening, is it? Let me try to let me try to tighten it up. Let me tell you guys this as well. I took last week off. This podcast is double for your money. There's no money involved. There could be money involved. Should there be? Do you want there to be? Send me one dollar. You know how. You probably don't. Mail me one dollar of whatever currency you wish. You don't know my address. I don't have an address. Think about a dollar, and, and uh, I'll, I'll feel that. I'll feel that energy. Why are we talking about dollars? The point was this. On our last episode, I asked you guys, how are you? And I am and was genuinely interested. A lot of you guys wrote in to tell me how you are in surprising detail, which, guess what? I appreciate it. And we've spoken, so you know what's up. I'm not going to read those answers on this podcast. Normally I do, but this one's pretty long. And like I said, I just want to, like, you know, get into it. Plus, no offense, but our listeners probably don't care about how you are as much as I do. I, I care. You know what I mean? And that's why we had that, that conversation. But our listeners, they don't want to know about how some random other person is. You don't, do you? Anyway. Also, if you have ideas about what's the secret to a good relationship, you must. Listen, you can write me one word. You can write me a sentence. I will read those on next week's podcast. So write to me at Deanne at nomoradio.com. I think this is it for the intro. Am I missing anything? Hi, everyone. 2015. It's happening. I feel like we're doing backups. I think we can make this work. La, 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 la. La, 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 la. 
la 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 that's where we're kicking it off. <laughs> the couple that sings together stays together. The question is, what's the secret to a good relationship? Let's get into it, people. I think it's harmonizing together into a single mic. I think so. Um, you know, it's funny. We get asked that all the time because we have been together for a pretty long time and we are pretty darn happy. Yeah. And... Um, so I guess because we keep getting asked it, I have actually thought about it quite a bit. And I still think that there's maybe 70% of it that's just luck. Like I just feel like we were so lucky to meet each other and to be so compatible to like the same music and like the same food and, you know, like that kind of just makes a big chunk of the relationship just easy. Mm-hmm. But then then I think there's a lot of attitudes and values and things that we bring to each other and that we bring to the relationship. And I would say, I don't know what Emma thinks about this, but I would say that I think the single thing that we do that makes this so happy is that we put our relationship and each other's happiness ahead of anything else. So that comes before career consideration or it comes before demands that friends might make of us or you know it comes before a whole range of other things the kind of first jumping off point is will we be okay with that is that going to hurt our relationship in which case I just don't think it would be something that we would pursue and is that something that's always been always been the idea behind the relationship or is it something you had to talk about early on in terms of like what your priorities were going to be yeah, Did you both funny, just understand that? Yeah, I mean, I think we've never actually... It's not like we made some agreement to do that or had a conversation where we decided that that's what the relationship would be like. I guess it's just a a succession of sort of small decisions that get made that add up to you putting the relationship first and that there's an expectation that Sarah puts the relationship first too. And I, I think it's just over time that becomes the way you... Um, the way you relate to each other and I think those points where you might not do that end up being, you know, sources of slight tension or question or, you know, an issue and that makes you realise you need to get back to doing that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just a, it's a kind of a cumulative um, experience that that's actually what makes a relationship sustainable and fun and healthy and allows you both to grow in the longer term is doing that. That's yeah. I mean, to, I mean, a decision. No, I mean, and it's not something that I could even have articulated early in the relationship. Like, it's only kind of in retrospect that you look back and you think, not, not just when I look back at our relationship, but when I look at relationships that are not so happy, where there's lots of tension or mm-hmm. angst or, you know, a couple just constantly kind of fighting each other over, you know, power or direction or whatever. It's That's the thing that's kind of fundamentally not there is that I can't be happy if you're not happy. Right. So me trying to persuade you to do something that matters to me, but that's going to make you in some way unhappy. I don't want to do that Mm -hmm. because, because even if I got my way, like if I won, I'd be unhappy because you wouldn't be happy. Right. 
and I see couples do that all the time. Like it's always that kind of struggle and, and I think that's just a recipe for misery. Yeah. Well, let's talk for a minute about how long you, you guys have been together for 10 years, more than 10 years. Oh, more. Um, It'll be 14. 14. In, in March. Yeah, in about. In a couple of months, it'll be 14. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. You also made reference to fun earlier, and like because no, no, no one knows you yet. No, <laughs> because no one knows you fun. yet. I want like let's just talk about fun. Because I was out with you. Uh, I was going to say this weekend. It was a Wednesday because that's how <laughs> these people do. Felt like a weekend, and um, more than one person came up to you. Like I witnessed this, where people were going, "You're the funnest couple I know," and then somebody <laughs> else came up, "You guys, you're such a fun couple." Let's talk about fun. Yeah, fun is important. Fun is so important. And, you know, I mean, I think you said this the other day that, God, you guys just work hard and play hard. Yeah, that is my impression of you guys. And, and I think that's, that's just, that's so, it's, you know, it's such an acute observation because we both do work really hard, but we do put a really high value on fun and friendships and going out dancing and going holidays. on holidays and <laughs> going out to fancy dinners and just packing a lot of fun into our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I, think there, I think there are times when we've struggled to hold on to that a bit. So when we got together, I had two young children and so, you know, who are now in their early 20s, but for at least the first 10 years of our relationship, parenting was... Um, a pretty big focus and I'm not saying that parenting's not fun but you know a lot of the time it's really not fun (laughs) it's hard work and when you're combining two people working full-time in pretty demanding careers and kids like fun can really fall off the menu and well there's just not enough hours in the day Mm -hmm. when you're you're parenting you know it's so time consuming and so energy consuming that there's not enough hours in the day for fun and so that is something that we did have a very conscious conversation about a few years ago which was you know in the context of me having a fairly minor but embarrassing midlife crisis which you know really centered around the fact that I've I've said to Emma I feel like we're just sliding into middle age on the sofa and I'm not ready I'm just not fucking ready to be that person she says sitting here in the sofa in in <laughs> tracky pants that well, I, I felt like in. that was my life you know I yeah. felt like that was my life and that I was 41 and I was acting like I was 60 and so that's like five years ago now and so we really in the last five years <laughs> amped it up amped up the fun factor <laughs> I would say indeed you have I'll also say that when I came in you were sitting on the couch eating lentils watching the news which is one of my favorite versions of you guys <laughs> so it's happy to know that that's like a version that like will exist in the future yeah as and, well. and that there is still a lot of eating lentils sitting on the couch watching the news yeah in I our, think if that didn't house. happen twice a week I would forget who I was yeah. it's pretty important but you guys do have a very full social calendar in general. <laughs> we You're do. always out. We do. Yeah. But I think we, yeah, I think we balance one extreme with the other. So a couple of nights socialising is then followed by an extremely boring, quiet meal on the sofa watching the news. Mm-hmm. You know, Which can be just as exciting for me. Like I can be going, oh my God, we're staying in with lentils on the sofa tonight. <laughs> I am so pumped for that. I cannot wait. Just as much as going, oh my God, we're going to this huge enormous dance party with 50,000 lesbians and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> like both yeah. of those things are good. But I think as one makes you appreciate the other maybe. Yeah. Because they are two extremes, aren't they? And I think... If you do all of one, you have no appreciation for the other mm-hmm. way of living and 
we make sure that we do both those things. But the best thing about our relationship is that doing both of those things is better because we're together. Like if I was sitting by myself on the sofa eating lentils, right. meh. If I was out at a dance party with 50,000 hot lesbians without Emma, meh. Right. Oh, like, come on. <laughs> Okay, there might be a little bit more fun, but like pretty mad. Like we've both done that. Like we've both gone out, you know, if one of us has been away or sick or whatever, we've gone out without the other one. 49,999 lesbians. I know, right? Which is just the one missing. And it's not optimum. Yeah. Like that that one missing is is not optimum. And we've, I know that sounds like a really strange phrase, but it is actually the phrase we use. Like you can, we can do really fun stuff without the other one. It's not like we have, I don't want our relationship to sound like we're like totally enmeshed and controlling of each other and no one can do anything without the other one. Oh, you mean like a typical lesbian relationship? Like a typical lesbian relationship (laughs) because I actually really don't feel like it's that at all. I feel like we push each other and challenge each other and have done lots more kind of brave and crazy things because we're together than we would have on our own Mm -hmm. and you know I particularly have had to travel a lot for work so you know there have been times long periods of time when we've been apart and it's fine like we're both really super independent women capable of being quite happily on our own it's just not optimum yes there's just that thing that's meh yeah, I think that's where your idea of luck comes in when it just comes to having found the one person that you're happy to do everything with. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's extremely lucky. And I, I mean, I think, yeah, you would have to put a large part of it down to that. And I don't know how you can engineer that or, you know, how, how you can, you know, help other people find that because it is luck. But I think we also really really value that like I know I consciously feel lucky every day and would say that to Emma probably a sickening number of times Mm -hmm. a a week and I'm like I get it (laughs) I've stayed with you for periods of time I've almost been sickened by it myself (laughs) just witnessing just getting some of the splashback of the gratitude and love no I'm never sickened by it (laughs) but you know I think I think that's another deathly thing for a relationship is taking each other for granted Mm -hmm. like going yeah yeah we've been happy for 10 years we're gonna be happy for another 30 you know no biggie like that's that's just stupid yeah like this is this is rare this is precious i i know that from having had other (laughs) not so great (laughs) relationships but just every day i know that like i'm happy every day of my life because i'm with this person yeah, and I guess verbalizing it is actually part of the part of what reminds you each about it, mm-hmm. and it's not in that sort of ridiculous "I love you, yeah, I love you too" that people say every day, like a sort of broken record. But sort of verbalizing how much fun you're having in that moment with that person, or how much you're appreciating what they're doing, or um, what you think of them in that moment. You mean like in a sex way? Like I really appreciate when you do yeah, that. Yeah, in a sex way, for example. <laughs> do that thing. But you know, if you transfer really? those skills, Deanne, from the bedroom to real life. <laughs> what, the bedroom's not real life? <laughs> they can have broader, they can have broader application. Okay, all right. <laughs> but I, th- I think the other side of that is also calling each other out when stuff go- does get taken for granted. Like really early in our relationship, <clears throat> Emma called me out because, you know, she's kind of, you'll testify that this is true, Dee, she's kind of generally more sweetness and light than I am and I'm kind of generally just more of a grumpy, cranky, 
I'd say you have more edge. I have a little more edge. <laughs> That's a very kind way of putting it. I can be a real fucking bitch. <laughs> but like quite early in our relationship, I was going, me, 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 me to Emma about something. And she just stopped and looked at me and she said, don't talk to me that way. You really love me. Yeah. And it just stopped me in my tracks because I was like, I, I do. I, I really love this person. Why am I speaking to her like this? That's just atrocious. I'm not going to do that anymore. And do you really feel that from that moment you've been able to keep that under control? Most people aren't able to, I don't think. Uh, I wouldn't say I succeed all the time, yeah. but I think that that for me really set our relationship on a path of just um, really trying to live out the respect and love that we have for each other, not just mm-hmm. going, yeah, 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 well, of course I love her, but, you know, if I speak to her like she's a piece of trash for half an hour, you know, it doesn't matter, right, because she knows I love her. Like, I think that stuff chips away, it yeah. erodes the, the foundations that you have until one day that person you love wakes up and thinks, you know, I just don't want to be spoken to like that anymore. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to leave now. That blows my mind that when I witness it in other relationships that like pe- mm. people often in relationships speak really unkindly to each other. Mm. And if I've noticed that creeping into my relationship, I'm always pretty vigilant about about taking control of it. Because yeah, mm. you're the, for the most part you're the you're the main one there all the time. You can't be having the like. Yeah, and I think it becomes one of those bad habits that you then don't quite realize that you're doing all the time and. The, the other person often then responds back in a similarly kind of niggly, mm-hmm. you know, cranky kind of way. And before you know it, you've set this kind of behavioral pattern where you're both kind of yeah. at each other a, a lot of the time. And, you know, yeah, we've, we've certainly observed that in other couples and end up going away saying, wow, they're just kind of nagging at each other all the time, aren't they? I mean, they seem happy, but the way they, the way they communicate is so you know, naggy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe one other part of why people say we're such a fun couple because when you're around the couples <laughs> that are sniping at each other or it's not fun. Like they're not fun to be around. I, f- I find it really stressful. Yeah. And I, you know, I want to stop them and say, you guys really love each other. <laughs> don't speak to each other like that. I mean, yeah. you don't, but um, whereas I think when people are around us, they maybe get a sense of love and happiness that we bring to just the way we be yeah i think so for sure i had these managers for half a second and they were a married couple and part of why i couldn't have them as managers because every time we hung out which was maybe five times or so i didn't keep them around for too long every time we hung out they had some kind of a fight in front of me and it was so uncomfortable and weird but like they didn't even realize it i don't think i think it was just that's how they lived all the time like and i couldn't it was too much bad energy yeah Yeah. and i often if if i'm in that situation i often think wow this is this is what they're like in front of me Mm -hmm. i wonder what they're like on their own yeah you know you're probably getting a slightly kind of cleaned up version of the argument and i think it does just show a level of um lack of awareness of how you're speaking and how you're communicating that that it means you can do it in front of a friend and not think it's any big deal whereas that friend's kind of cringing in the corner because they're so uncomfortable mm-hmm. yeah i think it's quite common yeah and horrible i hate that okay let's let's talk about what we know so far you've <coughs> talked about prioritizing the relationship having fun speaking kindly to each other we could say treating each other kindly having gratitude what else Eating what are some lentils words? on the sofa. Eating lentils on the sofa, yeah. very important. Don't forget that. Balance. 
I mean, Emma kind of mentioned holidays, and I guess it does come under the category of fun more broadly, but it was another thing that Emma brought to my life that profoundly improved it, and I actually think has been another part of why we've stayed so happy. And um, I'm kind of conscious that North American listeners might want to kill us because they don't have you keep the saying kind holidays? of holiday <laughs> leave that we that we Say vacation have vacation in time. But but they don't have paid vacations in right. the way that we have in Australia. But you know, in Australia, where we're lucky enough to have several weeks a year, we've made it a priority, even when we were parenting young kids, to get away just the two of us at least once a year for a chunk of time with no work, like no work comes on those trips and that the rest of the time we always have something planned like even if it's just a weekend camping and that might be with the kids or it might be with other people or whatever but there's always something fun to look forward to so you're not ever getting yourself into that that kind of headspace where it's all hard work and it's all difficult and you're so exhausted and there's no there's no kind of bright light, whereas I think if you can share looking forward to something together, that's a really, really positive thing. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, holidays. Holidays are holidays. Take vacations together. If you can't afford holidays, ladies. just plan to eat some lentils on the couch. That's a pretty cheap activity. <laughs> but, like, go camping. Like, go do, camping. It doesn't have to be an expensive holiday, yeah. Like, but just do something where the rest of the world fucks off for a few days and you just get to go, oh, look at this amazing person. Yeah. So Australia doesn't have Australia doesn't have gay marriage. Nope. Did did you guys ever make I mean I guess at some point because of the kids you would have had to make some kind of a formal commitment understanding. How did it happen? How did you get to 14 years? Um well in terms of a formal commitment we did we didn't really Australia doesn't have gay marriage as such but we have very progressive de facto relationship legislation which means that anybody uh, gay, lesbian or straight who is living in a relationship with their partner for two years or more is considered to be a legally uh, a legal couple for de facto relationship oh, yeah, status. And so that gives you all the same legal rights that getting married in the US would give you. Mm-hmm. So um, in terms of a formal, in terms of a sort of a formal decision, we didn't have to do that because after two years we have that legal status. I mean, the issue where we didn't was around the kids. And so that was tough because there really isn't there really wasn't any legal way through that for us and that was pretty stressful. We ended up going to see our solicitor and and changing our wills to just express our wishes, Mm -hmm. which we also knew reflected our kids' wishes, which was, you know, that if I died, um, basically Emma would have had no legal relationship with the kids at all. Oh, that's so crazy. Um, Because they're children from a previous relationship. So mm -hmm. when I say you have all the relationship rights, that doesn't extend to... Uh, me having parental rights over Sarah's children from a previous relationship. Yeah, kids can only have two legal parents. Um, so there wasn't anything we could really do except make a statement in our wills that said, if if I die, this is what we want to happen. And, you know, we knew that was what the kids wanted. So that was kind of, that was a bit sad. But beyond that, we, we did kind of celebrate our union on a little... If you want to just have the ultimate lesbian cornball story. Yes, of course I do. <coughs> Everybody wants that. On a beach on the island of Lesbos. You did not. We did. Nice. Did you not know that no, story? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, these rings here on our 
fourth finger of our left hands we had made on Lesbos when we were there on one of our famous holidays. Uh-huh. And then... How many years ago was this? Uh, ten this year, okay. actually. Two, yeah, 2004. Yeah. And it was funny because before we went <clears throat> on that particular trip, we'd said to each other, you know, maybe we should exchange rings while we're away. And we're like, okay, that'd be a good idea. And then we had these rings <coughs> made and then we got there and so we were like, so are we just going to like pick them up and say, well, here you go, have a ring. Yeah, tile. Here's yours, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> And we said, no, 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 we should, we, should, we should say some words. Like, you know, we should actually say something to each other when we give like each other. Lesbos, the... lesbos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so then we kind of went off to different corners of our hotel room and, mm-hmm. you know, wrote some words. I literally wrote them on the back of an envelope. Mm-hmm. And... And then we were like, well, you know, will we just wear the disgusting sweaty T-shirts we've been traveling in or will we buy something? Oh, we should probably buy something nice to wear. So we ended up kind of buying these ridiculous shirts actually, but, you know, trying to scrub they were very up. Greek. They were like Greek peasant chic. You got married in Greek shirts. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just the two of us <clears throat> on this little rocky beach and we said our words to each other and we cried our oh, eyes out. Guys. And it was the, it was before there were digital cameras, so we were taking – we couldn't take selfies or, you know, like we had to take photographs on an old, like, film camera. That, so we didn't even know if we had any yeah. decent photos for weeks Younger later. Younger listeners and, can just Google what that is, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we can even imagine. kitties back in the day. Um, and, yeah, so that meant a lot to us. I think our parents were really disappointed that we didn't give them – the opportunity to throw us a wedding and mm. I think still today they would we get the occasional comment from from both sides of our both sets of parents that yeah. you know it would really be would really be good and you know would you guys ever think about getting married you know would you like, <laughs> we could just throw you a party it wouldn't really have to be a wedding like That's we could just fun though it's very sweet you could do that there's nothing stopping you from doing it right at any point maybe on the 20th I anniversary think, yeah we could do that yeah maybe on the 20th anniversary i think there was a sort of a there was kind of a moment that for us we did it and then we didn't really have that kind of party when we got back and then it seemed a bit weird to do it a year later and yeah. I guess that moment sort of passed. You'd probably still do the party tomorrow, wouldn't you? Mm, time doesn't feel about doesn't really feel right now. I mean, it is one thing that we do disagree over. Like, if we did have legal marriage in Australia, mm-hmm. I would have wanted to do that, and Emma would not because she's a better feminist than me and <laughs> really doesn't think that lesbians should be <coughs> mimicking patriarchal heterosexual institutions yes and good for her she keeps me you she's know. pumping her fists in the air i want everyone yeah. to know that just happened yeah you guys had the type of wedding that i've always thought i would like to have or that to me seems ideal i find i kind of get it with the public wedding and the okay the hopefully that we're declaring something in front of the community and the community is meant to then support us back or whatever but i, I find it weird like i think the private acknowledgement and commitment and promise I think that's where it's really at. Yeah, it's funny. That's that's certainly what I've always felt. Um, and, you know, I think there were times when Sarah was wishing we could just have the legal or otherwise that we would have a big ceremony and a big party and invite everyone and do it publicly. And that's, you know, I know that that has been, it's probably sort of past that point now, but it's, it has been really important to you that, you know, you be able to state that in front of everybody else. Celebrate and, it. And celebrate it and make a public kind of announcement in that um, kind of way that people 
reference. But yeah, I've always felt much more private about it and much more that it's about two people and Sarah's the person I want to say that to and Sarah's the person I want to hear it and it's not important to me that um, other people are there in that moment mm -hmm. and it's even less important to me that the state is then involved yeah. in that yeah. and gives me a certificate. So, yeah, I think we have – and it has no bearing at all on our level of commitment to each other or the relationship. But well, it's just you're a little a, less committed, I mean. Yeah, obviously. I mean, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> if I mean, the truth be told. <laughs> the state side of it means a lot less to me now than it did when the kids were younger. Like, they were right. – I, I, I really – I felt a level of anger towards the state for not legally recognising our relationship – in in that formal way because you know here's this person who's taken on two children and is parenting them every day and is sharing all of the kind of responsibility including financial for raising those kids and yet the state goes no you know we just don't think <laughs> Emma's drawing a halo above her head yeah, that's why I want to know saint. that as well it's true and an angel <laughs> um but you know like fuck the state for not seeing that like I really uh, that really made me angry which is probably not a great basis from which to solemnize one's relationship <laughs> no, but fuck, fuck the, the state. state we're getting married <laughs> <laughs> um so I really I'm really past that but yeah it's funny now like my mum's 85 and I I am quite conscious that doing that not even the state part she wouldn't care about that either but like having the the celebration of that or the ceremony in front of family and friends would mean a lot to her. I'm a little surprised about that, only knowing that obviously your relationship is so solid. You're such a couple. You're such a family. It's such a thing. And yet your mom does want to see... Mom loves Emma. Like, she yeah. just loves her. She, I think... Maybe she I could have a, like, a mom ceremony with Emma. more than me. <laughs> just the two of us. Yeah. Just like a mom-daughter-in-law ceremony. But I think, like, I think it's something she's really proud of. I think that's what it is. Like, mm -hmm. I think she feels so proud that we're so happy mm -hmm. and Emma's so lovely and I picked such a good one yeah. that she kind of wants to show that off. I think that's probably... Well, she's 86 that. you better hurry up and do it now that you're talking about it this way we took it a mardi gras for the first time this year and she oh, yeah, just nearly talk about that. lost her oh, shit over the dikes on bikes can so. you first of all tell people what mardi gras is so they know okay so the sydney gay and lesbian mardi gras i think it's back to that name it, yes, it, it dropped the gay and lesbian for a while which was a major was controversy an fair enough too um so it's it's i'm gonna go out there on a limb and say it's the world's best pride event I think it's understood to be the world's best pride event. Well, we definitely, we definitely think so. So it actually started back in 1978 as a very small political protest on the anniversary of the Stonewall riots, yada, yada, yada. Everyone got arrested. The next year they went back and did it again. Now it's turned into this just epic several weeks of community cultural celebrations as mm -hmm. often they bring out these crazy lesbian comedians from Canada sometimes. <laughs> really like, they really kind of lower the tone. Um, <laughs> But, you know, there's a, there's a couple of weeks of, of different cultural and community events. There's a big fair that's all very family-oriented. There's day parties on the harbour. You know, it's a celebration of Sydney, I think, a lot as well. But then the actual Mardi Gras night, which is always the first weekend of March, is this huge parade up the through the kind of gayest street of Sydney, and then it culminates in this amazing all-night party. Wait, is it, what is the gayest street of Sydney? 
Oxford Street. Yes. That I might be a contentious thing to say now, though. True, true. Sydney has changed a lot, but it was that was the original route well, of King the King Street would the, be the most lesbian exactly, street yeah. in Sydney. Exactly. Yeah. But that was the original route of the 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 protest march in in seventy eight. Yeah. So it's a tradition. So mom went with you. Yeah. Well, mom was very cute because we've always gone in the parade, and in the last couple of years, we've also taken our daughter and several of her friends, and we go in these quite elaborate. Um, choreographed entries and it's a ridiculous amount of fun and you actually get to by the time you get to the end of the parade you've sort of you've been you know rehearsing for weeks you've then danced your little butts off for you know several kilometers yeah like you go with an organized like most of the entries are organizations so Mm -hmm. we usually march with the new south wales gay and lesbian rights lobby just to give them a little plug so you know it's certainly not the most flashy of entries, we make our own costumes and whatever, but it's really really fun. But after the 2013 parade, my mum just quietly said, "Oh, you know, I've never seen the parade. I only see the bits they put on the news, which is, of course, always the men in you know buttless chaps and and." Um, <laughs> Emma's called up a picture on the phone. Is this this is this year? So this is this year. So for Christmas, your mom's eighty six. I know she's hot, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, she's amazing. So for Christmas this most. year, we gave her. We bought three tickets to this VIP viewing area because we were a bit worried about her and Wait, the crowds. Oh, I, I want. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but mm. I just I'm looking at this picture. I need to talk about this picture okay, for a minute, please. and I need everybody to yeah, know. It was a bit of a visual gag when I handed it over. You'll now have to. Yeah, there's a lot. It. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, so your mom is in the picture, looking amazing. Like at most, looking 66, being 86, wearing a great striped scarf, amazing hair, everything. Then there's Emma looking cute. Emma's little head poking through there, and then Emma has her shoulder around you. Sarah is wearing a collar, um, a black leather bra, perhaps. No, it's silver. Silver? Okay, but is it leather? I like how nobody. It's not. It's not even. Okay, from here it looks like black leather. You're saying it's silver something. Black leather, if you want. It's like very intense. I'm just seeing like a lot of naked Sarah. Mom's in the photo, and then Emma's hand. Arm around Sarah, but hand fully on the boob, and then mom's in the picture on the other side, like, whoop, just hold my beer, love my girls. And I like how I'm combining the here I am, dutiful daughter in law, with my arm around Mary, yeah. and then the other hand is to cop and a feel. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Just we Emma, cut to the chase. Emma there. to a T. It really is. There's Emma's head, and th- this is the other thing about the photo Emma's head is pressed against your mom's head, like, oh, we're together in this photo. You're a little bit off to the side, yet you do have Emma's hand on your boob. This is an amazing photograph <laughs> this might need to be the photograph associated with the podcast if that's okay if only with this you guys. was a vodcast <laughs> <laughs> you certainly can have that that <laughs> that photograph but mama's actually so sweet the thing that was re- i actually burst into tears watching her watch the parade Aww. because it was very moving it really was like the dykes on bikes who traditionally always start the parade like they like ride from the end of the parade down to the beginning to clear the route and then they come back again and that would be about 150 thumping roaring harley davidson 150 at least oh wow. yeah with okay. lights on and flags and glitter and and boobs out boobs and out. Like, you know crazy that's why they put it first yeah and my mom just went she just lost her shit. She was just standing there, just saying repeatedly, they're wonderful, they're wonderful, they're so wonderful. Oh, my God, they're wonderful. And we just burst into tears. Like, it was so 
sweet. But you know what it was? Like by the end of that parade, she got my community for the first time. Like mm. she said, and she rang me the next day and she said, you know, what they show on the news is always so seedy. But, you know, your community is so diverse and it was so fantastic to see because there are entries of, um, you know, PFLAG parents and friends of lesbians and gays and rainbow babies. So like all the kids Aww. of lesbians and like, you know, like there are, and there are some commercial entries and there's, you know, but then there's Sydney Leather Pride and there's, you yeah, know, like there's, there's kind of gay tennis players and, yeah. you know, <laughs> cyclists and bushwalkers and all those different groups. You well, know. there was a whole disabled entry, like, you know, all these um, puffs and dykes going past in wheelchairs yeah. and, you know, like I think for, for mum and I guess for other family members who go along to those things, it, it puts their kids and family members' lives in just a whole different context Mm -hmm. so you guys are kind of known to you are a couple that other people go to singles and couples oftentimes with the romantic woes and worries questions problems doubts yeah that does happen do you find yourself giving certain pieces of somewhat generic advice over and over i mean i know every problem is specific people have different issues i i think that the thing that we said earlier about putting the relationship first, like that's often like seeing in other couples that struggle over, over, you know, winning, like I want our lives to be like this, but she wants our lives to be like this. And it's like, well, either you decide that what's important is, you know, neither of those positions, but Mm. actually, your life together and what that looks like or you're going to keep repeating this for the next six months, two years, five years until it breaks you up because it will. Right. So that's maybe at one end but I would, I think we would only have that conversation with couples where you can see the love, like where you can see that there's this really foundational love for each other that's kind of got caught up in some other ego stuff and 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 often just quite different aspirations and trying to figure out what that means for mm-hmm. them. But then I think, and I don't want this to sound wrong, but probably just as often we would say, maybe you need to leave the relationship. Like, Yeah, well, I was just wondering right now if sometimes those different aspirations may be each person, it might be worth each person pursuing their own aspirations if yeah. they're vastly yeah. different, right? Yeah, and I think we, we, we certainly have, I, mean, I can think of a couple of you know, occasions where we have tried to you know, at least just provide a space for the person to talk through what might that be like? Would leaving be an option? Like, What would you be like on your own? Would you, would you be able to um, you know, do what it is you want to do without this person or maybe with a different person? Because I think there's such a, there's such a pressure to kind of stay in the relationship and make it work and Sometimes that's absolutely the right thing to do and, you know, relationships do take work um, and they are worth the work and it is worth staying in them and working at them, of course. But I think a lot of people do that because they're too scared to leave Mm -hmm. um, or because they're not confident to leave or because they're not putting their own needs high enough, they're not setting the bar high enough and they think this is as good as it gets and so they stay in what is not a very... Um, healthy or optimal relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a bit wary of that expression that, you know, relationships take work because, I mean, that's true to a point, but... Yeah, they shouldn't take too much work. It shouldn't only be work. <laughs> like, if your relationship feels like work, 
maybe don't be in it. Like, no. you know, no. it shouldn't have to be work. And I think a lot of people get caught in that trap of if it's not hard, it doesn't really mean anything. You know, like I need to, I need to struggle in this. Right. And, I, I, you know. And also that trap of, you know, if it's not filled with drama, Mm-hmm. then we mustn't really passionately love each other because we're not tearing each other apart and then having great makeup sex and then loving each other and hating each other. And I think there's a lot of relationships where people kind of assume that that high level of drama signifies a depth and intensity of something between them. And often it doesn't. Often it's just an unhealthy level of drama that you should probably walk away from. Yeah, sometimes people that are in that, when they find something beyond that, they go, oh, I didn't even know this other way of being was possible that is possibly like at ease and in love. Yeah. So I think a lot of people kind of mistake drama for passion. Right. Well, do you, know, like they're, how, they're related, but yeah. let's talk about you guys fighting. How often do you guys fight? Do you fight? How do you fight? How do you fight well? I mean, we really almost never fight, which I know is kind of it's, it's meant to be one of those sickening. red flags. Yeah. It's meant to be like what I mean, we have. We will have kind of tense conversations, or what, how would you put it? Like we'll have fights. A strong word. You must disagree sometimes. Yeah, we certainly disagree. Mm-hmm. We certainly disagree. Um, we never shout at each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we never have that. We are now fighting and shouting at each other. And um. oh, I think you're being too kind to me. I think I will still occasionally let other stressy shit, like usually stuff outside of the relationship, that's put me in a really stressful place. And then we'll have a minor disagreement, and I'll go rah rah rah. Okay, sometimes you do shout, but I mean that would happen like once a year. Yeah, yeah, but it's not in the sense of we're having a slangy match. Right. I guess we never do that. We never have a slang match. But you don't do the other creepy thing. Because sometimes people don't shout, but they do the like, well, I'm not raising my voice right now. I don't know why you're getting so upset. There's a <laughs> lot of that in my family. I've seen that a lot. The creepy anti-shouting. Oh, and we also don't do the, oh, no, everything's fine. That's really fine. good. No, no problems here. <laughs> no, no. I mean, if we have to talk about something, we'll talk about something. But, I mean, this is what I, this is what I mean by, like, the 70% compatibility stuff. Like, it is, it is actually just rare that we want to go in a radically different direction to one another or we have profoundly different views or mm-hmm. desires or tastes or aspirate. Like, we're just... We're just generally on the same page and that, you know, that's just lucky. Like, it's just lucky. Yeah. Let's talk about you both being hot. (laughs) (laughs) Should I turn the heating off or open the window? (laughs) It's quite warm in here. What are you trying to say here? Your heater's very I'll talk to the landlord. Um, How important is hotness for a relationship? (laughs) No, I guess I'll say this. I love the way she kind of tried to sneak into that conversation with a compliment. <laughs> Let's about, talk about how hot you both are. Now tell me about your sex life. No, not necessarily. No, not about your sex life, but about I feel that you both, um, you go out of your way to take care of yourselves in a way. Yeah, that's You know, you go to yeah, the gym, you, you yeah. eat well, you're healthy. And I, and I think we have, we probably do that more than we did at the beginning of our relationship. Because we're older. I think the older we get, the more important we understand it to be to yeah. keep fit and yeah keep, be healthy and be well and look after ourselves and each other um i don't think we i don't think we kind of started out that way did we we've kind of embraced a sort of a fitness thing in the last 10 years i mean that was actually another really good thing that came out of my midlife crisis was that i was 10 kilos heavier than i ought to have been for my health still hot 
<laughs> Still hot according to Emma, but I wasn't feeling particularly hot, but really it was a, you know, a range of health concerns in my family with cancer and blah, blah, blah. And like being overweight is just generally, it's not a good idea. Yeah. And, and so I started going to the gym and working out and I lost a lot of weight and Emma was really it was interesting she was really not very supportive at the start she was like because I I had just decided that if I was going to do it I was going to go to the gym every day so I of course thought she'd joined some kind of cult yeah (laughs) but I just had like I just knew that if I you know if I'd said I was going to go three days a week that would mean I went once a week and nothing would change like I had to make a radical change to my lifestyle and it took Emma a few months of going, you're going to the gym again? And, and I said, come with me. And she'd say, I don't want to. And eventually she did. And so now we're gym junkies together. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't beat them, join them. Yeah, you guys really are. <laughs> but it's just, which is great. Like, I love training with Emma. And, like, it's not, it's not about hotness. I don't, you know. It's you, but just, you guys, it's, it's a little bit about hotness. It's a little bit about hotness. Okay, it's a little bit. But about in general, hotness. you guys take care of yourselves and how you present yourselves, and you, I don't know, you dress up and go out on the town. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it's funny. I mean I think we've both kind of struggled with or changed our approach to feminine aesthetics over the years because, like, we were both. Well, we are still, you know, pretty hardcore feminists in our political beliefs Mm -hmm. um and i think when we met neither of us shaved our legs or our armpits we were we were we were that kind of feminist like for quite a long time that is definitely in my view not compatible with going to the gym like it just ups the stink factor okay you got to start shaving when you're working out seven days a week yeah but i had before that anyway and i mean partly that was partly that was other things about approaching middle age being in suddenly put in a very senior position at work and feeling like I did have to present myself differently and I did actually like I you know if I'm pointing at this chart I don't want anyone to see my armpit hair (laughs) (laughs) kind of yeah yeah. and it shouldn't matter I mean it it, it totally shouldn't matter but if it ends up distracting from what you're saying Mm -hmm. in the workplace it does matter you know and that sucks I kind of resent that I think it sucks totally but but I think but I think Doing that also gave me a new appreciation of the pleasures associated with, yeah, taking a bit more care. I rediscovered makeup. I hadn't worn makeup in, you know, a hundred years. And I was like, ooh, mascara. Ooh, eyeshadow. Yeah, you're good at makeup. I love it. Yeah. Like, it's really fun. Like, I used to wear makeup when I was younger. And, yeah, I've rediscovered how much fun that is. And dressing up, like, I love dressing up. Like, I mean, I don't mean dressing up like... <laughs> You like know. a cosplay character? No, and but nor do I mean like... Emma I did just like, bite her lip, though. I'm not going to mm, act like I didn't see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I don't mean like, you know, stilettos and like that kind of dressing up either. Like, you know, that looking at that photo that you just saw, like I like... I like Wearing a know. silvery bra in front of your mom. Yeah, like I like... I like <laughs> sort of dressing down, isn't it, really? <laughs> I like putting it out there. Yeah. And... Yeah, I like feeling sexy and getting out there and playing amongst the girls. Whereas I can't wear makeup because I just look like a drag queen. That's what you think, and that's not true. It's not true, and I've given up. <laughs> You've never seen it, have you? I saw the picture of you in lipstick. You didn't look like a drag queen at all. <laughs> the lipstick I wore because somebody told me it was chapstick. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, the Mardi Gras one where you were in red hot lipstick. She saw that one. Oh, okay. Did I see that one? I don't remember. Yeah, I'm about to see it. 
<laughs> um, so guys, I could talk with you all day, but I feel like we're going to need to wrap it up at some point. Um, we've talked about what makes a good relationship. Can you like, and I mean quickly go like, what do you think would, what do you think makes a bad relationship? Secrets to a bad relationship. Competitiveness, disrespect, unkindness. And just a lack of appreciation for how lucky you are to find someone who you love and who loves you back. And I, I mean, I think everyone is waiting around for someone to love them. But I think the most amazing thing for me with Emma was realizing my own capacity for love in a way that I hadn't experienced in other relationships. I may have said this to you before, but I always kind of thought I was... Um, you know, like that the ice queen in that story with the, the did you have that story when I don't you know were if a kid? I did have that story. Well so the, the ice queen or princess or whatever she was had a chip of ice in her heart. So Aww. she could never really love anyone until she met the prince, I'm sure it was, but whatever, who <laughs> melted the chip of ice. Aww. And that's how I felt when I met Emma. Like my other two previous significant relationships, I just felt like they loved me more than I loved them. And that mm. was, it's not a very nice feeling. Like it feels really un- unequal and unbalanced. And, and you know, to suddenly meet this person who just rocked my world and, and made me, I just appreciated what love was in an entirely new way and I that is a gift for for me I mean she's pretty damn lucky too but you know (laughs) that was a gift for for me to to just know that I have that capacity and I can love as as hard and as strong and as well as I think I love you Emma's about to take the mic no I just I just was thinking back to something we said earlier and I think one of the other things that and it's, it's sort of if you if you if you do this badly it makes a bad relationship but if you do it well it makes a good relationship um, is about uh, letting the other person change and grow and seeing seeing that over time people are going to need different things and they might want to try different things and might want to go in different directions and the more that you can encourage and support your partner to change um, the better I think the better for them and the better for you and I think then it rubs off and you get a chance to change and you both get a chance to maybe grow in different directions but together mm-hmm. and I think there's so many there's so many uh, ways of not doing that people can be kind of jealous or resentful when their partner wants something that they didn't used to want right or they want to do something that they never used to do um, and they can kind of be uh, on the on the other hand people trying to make their partner into somebody that they want them to be. Right. trying to change them in the direction that they want. So I think there's something about being able to um, support your partner to change. And, you know, I've certainly felt that and I've certainly felt there's been things that uh, I would never have done, you know, had I been on my own. I would never have had the courage to do or I'd never have just had the kind of um, impetus to do without Sarah encouraging that and facilitating that and... Um, yeah, I just think that's an important kind of thing to add about even though you think you've got it good and you think you're really compatible and you go well together, that that shouldn't be fixed and that you shouldn't be striving to kind of keep it like that forever. Right. It's actually better to allow each other to change and more fun and more interesting and then you don't get stuck in a rut and, you know, I think that's just an important part of growing Yeah, I'm so glad we're together. not the people we were yeah. 14 years ago. 
I think we're better people, we're more interesting, we're more rounded and diverse and we've done all this amazing stuff. And yeah, it's because we've just given each other the freedom to to blossom and, and grow and challenge each other. And you have way, way bigger guns. And have bigger guns. <laughs> oh, I wish I could, everyone can see you guys flexing right now. <laughs> All right, we might have to leave it here. What do you think? Do we, we feel okay about leaving it here? I yeah. think I think we feel okay. I think. Do you feel okay about leaving it here? I do. You ready? To, you ready to drop this mic? <laughs> I've never ended. Drop it, I guess hard. <laughs> <laughs> I've never ended a podcast like that before. <laughs> but I think we've done it. I think I think my listeners have fallen in love with your love. Ah, uh, thanks, D. <laughs> oh, but we're not done yet. It's time for learn a thing, honey. Ooh, sugar, sugar. <laughs> Are we doing this together right now? Yeah, do it oh, together. Do it together. Okay. Honey, do, 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 sugar, sugar, do, 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 do. You are my candy girl. Wow. And you got me wanting you. You really nailed that. <laughs> it was really only the first word that we wanted from that, which was honey, uh, which I sang because I, I wanted to share my learner thing, uh, which is going to be a B fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, drawn from my vast experience in uh, keeping bees in the back garden uh, and reading about bees and how amazing they are and the things that they do. And the one I wanted to uh, to share is that bees bring the pollen back and they make the honey. First of all, they've made the little hexagonal uh, honeycomb shake, shapes out of wax and they gradually fill each one of those with honey drop by drop by drop. And they have to do thousands of flights um, to make a single drop of honey. And they gradually fill each of those uh, honeycomb hexagons with honey. And when they've done that, they then flap their wings frantically and furiously until the honey reaches 18% moisture. And they know when it's 18% moisture. Oh, man. And when it is, they then magic up some wax, beeswax, mm-hmm. and they seal the little hexagon off because it's done. Those guys, those clever little bees. We know so many bee facts. I could just tell you another bee fact. Tell us another bee fact. So the other really cute, well, this is actually a human science fact, but it's about bees, but that there was this man whose name I can't remember who deciphered the bee language. So this is a long, long time ago. Was he a monk? I think he was a monk because beekeeping was kind of popular with monks. And so he discovered this by spending thousands of hours watching the bees that would go off in their search of pollen for Mm -hmm. pollen and then they would come back and they would stand at the door to their hive and they'd do this little dance. And the little dance would involve, you know, wiggling their little butts and turning around and eventually he he figured out that what they were doing was giving the other bees directions and saying, if you want to get the good pollen, go down there, 200 metres, turn left, turn around and then look to your right and you'll see these amazing daisies and get that pollen because it's tasty. Also, check out my sweet little bee booty. (laughs) (laughs) Also, wiggle, wiggle. (laughs) Thanks, guys. That was awesome. Can you play us out? (laughs) (laughs) Honey. (laughs) (laughs) Sugar, sugar. (laughs) You are my candy girl. And you got me wanting you. Unbelievable. (laughs) So that was the podcast. You guys, that was Sarah and Emma. How lovely. Love those guys. What do you think the secret to a good relationship is, huh? 
email me, let me know, deanne at nomoradio.com. You've got ideas. Even send me ideas of what you think the secret to a bad relationship is. I don't know. Tell you what, I think, would it have to be a secret, though, if it was a bad relationship? Just, I don't know. Uh, I think you and, you and I have a good relationship, you guys. I really do. Because you just let me say whatever, and you soak it up. I think it's good. I gotta refine my ideas in 2015. All right, I'll see you guys next week. Thank you.